you're listening to Work It Lady, where the goal is for all ladies to be the best versions of ourselves. And if we happen to be moms, be the best moms ever and maintain our sanity while we do it. Ladies, this is going to be a very important episode today for everyone. First of all, it's on the topic of mental health. We have a professional therapist that's going to be in with us today. And you know, we're always trying to be the best versions of ourselves, right, for ourselves and then for our families. But some of the times we need to kind of address some of the root causes of certain issues that we may have that stem from our interactions with each other, things that we've experienced, all these things. Really happy to have Sherry Foos in today. Hi, Sherry. Thanks so much for being here. Hey, thanks. I'm happy to be here. Now, I really appreciate it. Now, I just want to kind of share a little bit more information about you. So Sherry is a marriage and family therapist. She's the adjunct professor and the creator of the Narrative Method, and that's a California 501c nonprofit organization. And you also started a movement. And um, part of that movement is you have a TNM, uh, you produce products and experiences that address the growing isolation and need for real connection through sharing stories. Um, you also co-founded uh, The Bridge in 1999, and that's a, few, a free humanities program for low-income adults um, at Antioch University in Los Angeles. So, um, and of course you have, you know, your clinical psychology, um, degree and everything from Columbia University. So the question that I want to kind of start with for you today is, you know, you, you have something really here that kind of struck with me when, when I, you know, first heard about you and when your people, um, reached out to me, which was this addressing the issue of growing isolation. Okay. I, I feel like that's something that I, I notice around me more, maybe even more so here in Southern California, is I see people, I feel like as we're going through society now, we're, we're more isolated. I see more when I go out for a hike, I see more solo people on a hike. Oh, that's interesting. Than I feel than I ever did. I don't see them with a friend. I don't see them with a significant other. I don't see them with families, you know, for every 10 or 20 people that pass us on a hike, maybe I pass one other family the whole time I'm out on a hike. And so this, this I would really like for you to explain to us today what you've, you know, what you've researched and what you know as a therapist for this area of isolation that's kind of picking up. Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, I think that this has been happening for a long time. Obviously, it got way worse during the pandemic. And I don't think we've recovered. I don't know what recovery is going to look like or how long it'll take. But it really started uh, last century. As things started moving faster and faster, and we became more technological, um, and we're required to do things more and more in an efficient way. Efficiency, starting with manufacturing, was very dehumanizing. I mean, it didn't require anything but, you know, your hands and your unconscious to just do the same repetitive things. But it's not just in those kinds of jobs. It's in all of the ways that we interact as, <clears throat> for instance, consumers, where we're told that, you know, we smell bad uh, or and we're not pretty enough and we're not good enough. We're not sexy enough. I mean, just watch these dating shows. I mean, it, 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 I'm 
not going to tell anybody anything that's a revelation right now. But because all of this negative and constant input, which I call the cult of culture, it's the stuff that is just nonstop um, doubling down on it's already having told us the myriad ways that we suck, you know, and no matter how much you've achieved, you can't kind of get out of that because it's a constant thing. It's a way to sell soap and other products. And then in, in the pandemic, making matters worse and increasing cancel culture, it, it suddenly became dangerous to go up to somebody and reach out, or at least dangerous in, in our minds, to reach out and risk saying an uncool, unpopular, unwoke, unmisunderstood thing. And then we see all these good people getting canceled without a trial. And on top of that, all of the violence and crime against private citizens for all kinds of horrible reasons that are throwbacks to racism and hatred and ignorance. And for all of those reasons, we have started to feel more and more unsafe. And in that unsafety, we have a habit of going into our own heads and creating our own realities that are not checked. And then we get more and more paranoid. And that's, that's one little microcosm of how you might look at it. That is very interesting. And yeah, I, I think I'm following what you're saying. And it's, you know, we're all so afraid. And so the first thing, I guess, one of those, you know, main responses when you're afraid is to kind of retreat. Exactly. And so we don't want to really have too much to do. And I have to say, I'm guilty of it too. Now I'm like, I don't, if I don't know you like that, I don't really want to, you know, I don't know what you're into. I don't know, you know, even something so simple as a mom, you know, certain people say, oh, let's have a play date or whatever. I'm like, I don't know what you're into I don't, yeah. i'm not going to just drop my child off at your house of course you know? of course i mean that's just being careful and and smart i mean in any situation look people have different values that may be completely acceptable but they may go against the grain of something we're trying to do with our child maybe you just don't want your child to have sugar no matter what and this mom thinks oh go for it it's once you know no <laughs> that's wrecking our program but we certainly should never blame ourselves for this stuff that is now a big machine that's bigger than any of us mm -hmm. and we don't have the power to shut it down so all we can do is adapt to it and rather than thinking that we're crazy for being worried mm -hmm. to acknowledge no the culture's crazy we're adapting to it so we can survive right and i think now we kind of got like this really weird pandemic culture it's like things are loosening up but it's like when you try to do the interaction it you know, now it, it's like still not like it was before, you know, right. we're all still on edge a little bit. How do you think the pandemic has, you know, maybe on a deeper level impacted how we interact and, and, and how we, do we want to feel more isolated or are we, you know, what's happening? 
Well, one thing I have to say that I have found so interesting, and maybe some of your listeners will relate to this. You know, for me, usually in social situations or even some business situations, people greet each other with a hug, sometimes with a kiss. And I realized in the pandemic, in the few times that I was really getting together with people with masks and all that I loved not having to hug that guy. (laughs) There's always some guy that sticks his tongue in your mouth every once in a while. It's disgusting or touches you Mm -hmm. because you feel compelled or guilty or you don't want to be uptight. So you hug them. It's like, forget that. And I don't mean forget, you know what I mean? It's (laughs) been a revelation to me how much I have compromised my personal space because, you know, that's just being appropriate. So in that way, I really learned a powerful lesson. And, you know, it's one thing to know that you don't have to touch people, but that became so normal, so to speak, that I didn't really think about it until I had that, you know, mandate. So I couldn't do it. So that's one thing. Um, I think it's given all of us an opportunity, whether we wanted it or not, to go deep inside ourselves and, and be able to say, what matters to me? And I mean, I think that's the reason for the great resignation, because that job don't matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that boss and all that stuff, you know, if I can figure out another way. Um, so because of the depth that it forced on us in order to get through this, both in terms of the loss of people mm-hmm. and maybe our own illness and just the tremendous complex politics that were going on at the same time. It, like, bravo to us for surviving. And now, okay, we have to really struggle again. Um, and, you know, I think sometimes what happens during an unusual time, and this was such an extension of an unusual time, because we don't get together that much um, and lose contact with each other. We also lose contact with more of a group mentality as things progress. And what I mean by that is when you're left by yourself, you just have your own ideas back and forth. And like, you know, when you're hanging with friends and you say something, they say, well, no, that's not true because of this or that. And you might be able to clear something up very quickly. The more isolated you get, the more lost you are vulnerable to become in your own overly worried, let's say, thinking, or your lack of confidence. I mean, that's, that's why we started doing our programs online. And, you know, it's just a place where people come together and meet and there's no danger. And, you know, whether it's writing groups or sharing stories or whatever, I I think it's really important now for people to create not just in, you know, in, in terms of the pandemic, however long it might continue, but just to protect the meaningfulness of our lives in the future, to develop ways that we can interact with people that don't involve small talk, mm-hmm. that really involve sharing our stories, sharing our thoughts and feelings, and finding places where we can be real, you know, um, without having to be worried about being judged. Absolutely. I think that that is so important. And I feel like even something I've noticed myself, well, number one, I feel like during the pandemic, 
we've all had a lot of time to spend in our own heads. <laughs> and <laughs> I think sometimes that has not been the best thing. Um, and, and I'm sure you know a million psychological like reasons for that. But also what I notice is that people like me, I call myself, which I don't know if this is actually, well, I have had at some point some evaluation, like personality evaluations. I'm like an extroverted introvert. Like I, I like going out. I like doing things. I like talking to people, but I can very much be preoccupied with my own projects and find some solace in my own comfort. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I feel like now that part of me that wanted to go out and do things has become much smaller. Yeah. And, and this other portion has become much bigger due to the pandemic, you know, different relationships, things I went through friendship breakups and things like that. I went through at the time, but then also what's been interesting is people who seem to be more introverted, introverted as like their leading thing, they seem to be more extroverted now. <laughs> And I, that just could be my circle of friends, but that's just what I feel I'm noticing. Like, who is this person? Like, you never wanted to do anything before the pandemic. Now you want to do like all this stuff. I don't know what that's about. But Well, that's funny. I mean, I don't know what to say about that part, but I think, you know, I think most people have aspects of both at different times. Maybe some of your friends were just so bored that they just blew it out. You know, it was like, I'm done. Um, but I think what you're describing with yourself is, is really wonderful. As long as we make sure that we have enough private time with ourselves for journaling or whatever practice, meditation, yoga, whatever you do that um, rejuvenates you, centers you, and, and makes you connected to your gratitude and well-being, mm -hmm. that's important. And it's also important to have excellent communication in your closest relationships and to make sure that you don't have just one close relationship. A spouse should not be your only friend. Right. Uh, everyone who has ever been in that situation can tell you that. Um, for, for one simple reason, not one, no one person can provide all of our needs. So if you have some number that works for you, of intimate relationships that oftentimes may provide different things from the others. Places where you can be real, where you're loved, where you're safe, where you show up for each other, that's really core. That's core to survival. And if you can do those things for yourself and with your friend or family group, then you'll be filled up enough to be in a place to give to the world and we've all been gifted things and we may not realize what they are because they come easily or they may not seem fancy mm -hmm. but I don't think it's our place to judge I think it's our place to offer it and maybe as you get older you'll start realizing what it is but that's the best healer honestly of depression is volunteerism do something for others and put the work in the world that you love. If you can't make money at it, support yourself another way and find a way to do it. I love it. I love it. You are so right. You are so right. And 
I, I love what you said there too about like you need more than one. You, your spouse can't be your only friend, you know? Um, I, and what do you think for women? For women, why is that especially important or especially, I don't know, almost dangerous if you do that? Yeah, well, I think, um, first of all, most women are much more introspective and psychological than most men. This is a very broad statement and, and both- I agree, don't worry. All genders are changing, but- <laughs> My husband, but I get it. You know, it's just the way we think about things. So I had uh, something happen the other day where um, there was something, you know, that was private and I, I didn't want to share it with um, a group of people my husband and I were going to meet. And when I thought about his situations, like he could just not talk about it or he could say one sentence. With girlfriends, they know and they expect and we expect to share and be shared with. And it's got a real potential of feeling like you're being dissed when your friend won't open up about something. So that's really one very kind of challenging difference between your girlfriends and your partner or spouse. But I think also it's so important to have relationships with friends where there's no sex and there's no hierarchy that has to be, you know, interfering with your communication and your relationship. My girlfriends can tell me all kinds of things that would never offend me, but if my husband said it, it's like, what? (laughs) Or vice versa, you know? So it's important that we have as many perspectives and as broad a perspective about every person and every subject that we can. If you've come to a belief or a decision, okay. But to have an assumption carry you into meeting another human being is very unfortunate. We have to see people with an open mind, an open heart. And, you know, the more friends you have that are real friends who you can be real with, the more smoothly your primary relationship will usually go. Very interesting. Very interesting. I think this is especially important information for women going through the pandemic because, you know, we've been hit the hardest, you know, like it's been tough, you know, especially like I mentioned, a lot of the listeners, you know, we're mothers. We, there's a lot of responsibility. You're trying to hold on to your job, but how are you going to take So I feel like it's just gotten a bit chaotic. It's it's getting a little bit better, you know, um, but for a while there, it was just very chaotic. And I kind of think it disrupted the communication in some of the female friendship circles, really impacted them. You know, maybe things that we were dealing with at home that kind of maybe spilled over into our friendships. But, you know, there have been some great things too. Uh, I've been meeting some amazing women you know, through doing this, us having this sit down and other women entrepreneurs that listen to the podcast that, you know, we, there's lots of little sub communities going on and all of these things. Yeah. You know, happened during the pandemic, which also, you know, like what you're doing, you know, with, you know, sharing your stories, uh, the stories of different ones through your nonprofit organization. So I want to talk with you 
about that a little bit now. So your whole mission with the, the nonprofit organization is to kind of, well, I'll let you explain it. What, what is the real mission there? Okay, so the narrative method um, was founded as a way to bring together strangers or friends, young, old, diverse in every way, all over the, the world, to share the stories of their lives. And this started from a live experience that I had been doing for six years before I ever did it online. Mm -hmm. And I worked with veterans and all kinds of organizations. And I always had live salons at our studio. And it was for a lot of people, because we just cut through all the BS, there was no small talk. Who cares about the weather? Like open a window, you know? <laughs> I need some meat to my conversations. I'm exactly. And you know, rather than asking what you're interested in or what you do, every time you tell a story about yourself, I learned so much, not just because of the details of the story, but in the way we tell it, in the way we move, in the way we emphasize our words, choose our words, our tone, our body, all of that stuff. And so that is really what feeds us that sense of getting to know people in a meaningful way. So um, as part of those groups, we would do writing, we would do all of these different kinds of uh, cool experiences. And so we started doing uh, the Zoom-ins for the first year of the pandemic, and then we continued, we still do them. And then we added these writing groups, which have completely gone crazy. They're just huge and people love them nice. it's kind of a real life shift if you have felt like you know who am I I suck I can't write you know these things that we all say to ourselves all the time it's not just you out there everybody knows they suck that they're an imposter you know blah 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 just knowing that everybody feels that way can liberate you a significant amount. But then when you come and have this experience where in one hour from the time you get there till the time you leave, oh my God, you wrote for only 21 minutes and you got something you never would have imagined because you didn't know what the prompt was going to be. You didn't know what anything was going to be. And so it helps people get past not just writer's block, but these negative tropes that we carry around because we get these messages from the cult of culture. You know, who do you think you are? You're not famous. You're not an influencer. You're not skinny. You're not whatever, all that kind of stuff. And we start to see nobody can write well trying to write like somebody else, but everybody's unique voice is completely interesting because it fits. And so once you get over the fact that you would suck at being like your favorite author, mm -hmm. and instead you just let your own creativity flow, something magical opens up and you start to see more possibilities. So th these are the kinds of things that we do. Uh, we also offer classes and trainings, but this is the main thing. And, and we offer this for free. Um, oh, wow. And that's really the mission is to make the world one notch cooler and less afraid and just to have your mind blown at how cool people that you don't know are 
and how much you have in common and how wonderful it feels to be seen and heard. You're so right. Oh, wow. This sounds so, oh, girls, ladies, this is, so this, okay, so what portions, okay, I'm excited now. That's why I'm like, dude, you're offering this for free. This is such a, a really encouraging thing to hear. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, like you said, if you can monetize, you know, something that you like to do, but kudos to you for doing it this way. You start this nonprofit organization and, you know, it's a great way for people to get in tune with themselves and learn about other people. And I mean, this is a great resource for women. So ladies, please um, definitely head over to Shari's website and check it out because yeah. this is really, so, okay. Tell me a little bit more about the story sharing, because you're still doing both, right? You've got the story mm -hmm. sharing and you've got the writing. Does that all happen in one night? What night does the writing happen? What night does the story okay. sharing happen? So Tuesday nights mm -hmm. uh, at four o'clock Pacific. So if you're on the East Coast, that would be seven. Um, for uh, one hour in and out, we do a, uh, it's called the Tuesday Night Write. And basically you look at a picture mm -hmm. and then I give you a prompt and you get seven minutes to write. Mm -hmm. Then I give you another prompt to weave into what you've got. You get another seven minutes and then you get seven minutes to edit. And the only rule is to keep it to 500 words, which is a page so that it's short enough that everybody can read theirs. When we go into breakout groups, it could be in any form. You can write in the first person based on the picture that you see. You can write a poem. I don't care, you can make a list. Whatever you do, there's no rules. Our only rules have to do with mutual respect and confidentiality. And we go over those before we start. Mm -hmm. But um, so, okay, then you edit. And you know, I'm always reminding people, don't worry, everybody's, you know, anxious about this stuff don't if you don't like it do something else you know mm -hmm. and then they go into breakouts for uh 15 or 20 minutes depending on how much time we have and they go around introduce themselves everybody shares what they've written mm -hmm. and they let the conversation go where it does and then we come back for the mosaic and in the mosaic Everyone who wants to reads one line from what they've written and it's like rapid fire and it in itself is a mosaic. It is a fascinating, incredible take on, you know, 80 people's different impressions of this picture and these prompts. And you have to admit that everyone's is interesting, including your own. Wow, so nice. That sounds amazing now um i can just see how you just light up talking about this yeah it's really fun <laughs> you're really enjoying what you're doing so besides of course wanting to help people and give back why else are you doing this why the field of psychology why the nonprofit organization if i can ask you what's your word <laughs> well um it all probably started because i had a very unhappy childhood and I tried to figure out things within myself. So I became introspective at a young age. And, you know, it's easy now to kind of look back and understand with appreciation, not just for the other people, but for myself, you know, some of the things that I misunderstood or was hurt by or lashed out about. I was very rebellious when I was in high school. 
Um, but anyway, I was just always searching for myself because I didn't belong where I grew up. And um, so I became, a, I always wanted to perform. I, became, I did comedy, I sang, I was in bands, I was in punk bands, I oh, acted, I wrote some TV. I did all these things, but I never had a real agent because I was so afraid of rejection. So it's just, it's all ridiculous. But in any event, I was at a point where I was writing um, these late night TV shows and it was really fun. I made good money. I was warming up the audiences. It was just, it was so fun. Mm -hmm. And one day, a bunch of us were standing around, you know, being funny with fast banter. And I just thought, it's like mean and it doesn't matter. And it was like, wah, 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 wah. so I quit. I went back to college because I had quit college. And uh, after that, I studied psychology, I became a psychotherapist. And then years later, I studied narrative medicine at um, Columbia University. And after that is when I started the narrative method. And the reason I wanted it to be a nonprofit is two reasons. One, my husband has been incredibly generous and was very successful in his business. And he is just all about philanthropy. So he inspired me. It's not that I don't want to make money because I really want to be able to keep this thing going forever. I want to be able to hire more people and pay people what they deserve. Um, and so my hope is that eventually we can be able to float it through um, for-profit products like the cards that we sell you don't need a license to use your humanity oh, nice. you can get those online and we have all kinds of swag and we have classes and trainings and so we charge for those things mm -hmm. and hopefully one day you know they will help but for me I'll, I'll never stop doing it for free because if you just see one person's reaction when they say and this is free and you say yeah and they say, but aren't you trying to monetize it? And you say, well, these will always be free. To see one person's heart's response to, are you kidding me? There's something in the world where there's no hitch. There's no hitch. I just want to share love and big ideas that help people's lives. That's beautiful. That's so true. You're so right. It's so needed. I mean, we need, you know, sometimes it's just nice to be nice. You know, I think that's what we we were losing sometimes um, in our society. But um, now there was one other piece that I wanted to talk with you on this is that I know with your nonprofit organization, you do have a portion where you work with low income families. Oh, yeah. Um, what successes have you had there? Uh, because this is a group process, although in my private practice, I, I work with families. It, it hasn't really been families, it's been organizations. So like I, I work with uh, the veterans in West LA. Um, I did hundreds of workshops with them, um, homeless populations and other at-risk populations. Mm -hmm. We're currently working with LA CAN. There's going to be a big event on May 1st downtown. And we just have lots of organizations that we work with on a regular basis, as well as some universities. Um, and, you know, we'll always partner with um, people doing community work. So that's just a commitment for sure. I 
think that's great because um, I feel like a lot, oftentimes low-income families, you do have a lot of isolation happening because sometimes it's single-parent family, and so then you're in this situation where you know parent is working all the time. You know, you kind of have to become a little bit more self-sufficient at an early age, and there is a lot of loneliness associated with that. It's terrible. So. It's terrible, and you know, I wish there, I I wish we could spread out further but right now we're just a few people um but that's a really important point and i was one of those kids and it's taken me my whole life to unwind this uh and i think i mean my whole effing life to unwind <laughs> you know i mean oh my god the and that's why i really want to do this because this is what I want to offer back. For so many years, I just felt like I was bad because you're told bad, you're treated badly, and you just assume I'm bad. Then you act bad. And this whole cycle of kids that get called juvenile delinquents or that get in trouble, so many times they're the brilliant kids. I've, I've worked with so many high school kids who are at risk at high schools where they're really not learning anything. And the kids who are getting in trouble for being disruptive are often the most creative ones because they, they're bored. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's other things they're thinking about. Like, what am I supposed to do in my life, in the world, you know, with my circumstances? So there is much to be addressed. But I do believe that when people come to our online spaces, that they get strength that's not going to solve that problem, but hopefully it will lead them to a deeper understanding within themselves that they're okay. People aren't broken. We're not broken. We're maybe wounded, maybe hurt, but broken, no. You know, I've heard people in all circumstances of life just discover without my saying anything, they'll say, yeah, but I'm lucky because of this or that. It's like this will to survive and to thrive is so beautiful. Even in the midst of depression and loss and mourning, you know, wow. so. Incredible. Well, I want to thank you so much for that. And before we wrap up, I do want to do a quick little share on your website. So right now we are on Sherry's website. It's the narrativemethod.org. And here you're going to find um, all the information that we talked about in this episode regarding the two main um, events that she offers. And both of them are available via Zoom. So we're all familiar with Zoom now. And this has been a good thing with the pandemic like you know it, it's it's found we found another way you know to to be social and to get some of the the things that we need so again um you have on thursdays um 5 p.m to 6 15 p.m pacific this is the human zoom oh wait a minute let me do this one so on Tuesday nights, you have the Tuesday night, right, which we talked about, and you've got the times listed out there um, for Pacific time and Eastern time. You can just RSVP right here on the website, guys, and get going on that. And then just go ahead and scroll through the page. There's a couple of other weekly offerings that the Narrative Method offers, that Sherry offers. 
And um, I would definitely recommend taking advantage of these. I plan on zooming in at least on this Tuesday night, right? right. This this sounds really awesome. So there's other things here too. Um, You mentioned some of your other items that you have for sale, like um, your cards and everything. Now I got a question on this. What is the DIY human debt cards that we can buy? Well, that's what I'm talking about. DIY Human is sort of a branch um, of our products. Mm-hmm. So DIY Human is like, you don't need a license to use your humanity. You can buy these cards. They're based on our 12 core concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it will explain everything. It's very simple. You can use them with your own group, family, friends, strangers, whatever you want to do. You could also use them with just one person or you can use them as writing prompts. And so it's really, uh, it's really a fun way to connect with people and really get to know them, you know? And so it's, you'll see. Yeah, this, it just looks great. It talks about, you know, it, you give a little bit of a detailed description here, great for family, friends, coworkers, you know, it's just, you know, good, some good talk, more than just talking points, you know, some really good information to have good conversations going. So definitely head over to the narrativemethod.org and click on shop as well and check out some of the different cards and things that are available that, hey, you know, maybe we don't have the availability to do a full-on one-on-one therapy, but we can take advantage of some of the other group uh, offerings that you have, as well as doing some of these cards, you know, with our own families. How nice is that? So, um, all right, guys. This has been an amazing episode. I cannot thank you enough for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed you. Thank you so much. Um, so guys, just want to make sure I drill home, drill home the point, you know, definitely head over to the website <laughs> and register for some of these, you know, free resources. Who doesn't love a free resource, you know, um, especially now, you know, sometimes we have those economic challenges. This is great. This is great. And I want to thank you for creating it. We need more, um, I'll just say do-gooders or, you know, like you mentioned, that volunteer spirit in society, you know, that's kind of the stuff that really helps us all jive together. So I thank you for taking an active role and trying to bridge some of our isolation communication issues that we're experiencing in society today. Well, thanks for what you're doing. It's wonderful. All right, ladies. I want to thank you so much for listening to Work It Lady. Have a great day and we'll see you in the next episode.